Welcome. So this week we're going to learn Pasha's Kisa. So the Pasha starts with the Machzah HaShekel. Everybody had to give a Machzah HaShekel. And this was a truma, a special truma that went for the Adanim of the Mishkan. So the Pasuk says that the reason you have to give Machzah HaShekel that when you count the people then if you just count people, there's going to be a negev. People, you know, there'll be a magefa if you just count people. So you have to give a machzah shekel, and then there won't be a magefa. So Rashi says, why will there be a negev? When you count people, so there's a nine hara, you're counting people. You know, so many people, there's, so there's nine hara. And we have nine hora, then you have uh, Dever, you have a, an epidemic, and people can die. Kamashim and Sinubi made David. David counted the people, and there was a Dever. So the Rechaim talks about uh, that episode that happened by David. So David told Yoyo he should count the people. And why didn't David. Um, why did he tell them to count the people? So the Gemara says that there was a certain lotion that David used, and uh, the Rebbeinu Shalom was not happy with it. He asischa, he called me a mesis. He wasn't happy with the lotion, so he says that he's going to he's going to make him do something that even school children know. Every school, every all school children, children when they learn Chumash, they know that you're not supposed to count people. To count people could be a magefa. So how could David forget such a thing? So that was uh, a special haloma min Hashemayim. Hashem um, made that he shouldn't, he should forget this, and therefore he told Yoyav he should count, he should count the people. But uh, uh, the Rechaim says, but how about Yoyav? Yoyev, how did Yoyev allow himself to do this? So you're going to tell me, okay, um, the Rebbe made a haloma on David and also on Yoyev. David, like, insisted on it. Like, Yoyev, I think, did try to, like, talk him out of it. Yeah, he did, he did, but... Uh, he did count, yeah. He did, he did it, so how could he do it? So he says, okay, so maybe there was something on Yoyev also. So... Uh, so, uh, how about the Sanhedrin? Well, how could they allow it? And even without Sanhedrin, how about all the people that were being counted? You know, yeah, all the people should have been up in arms. They should have said, what are you doing? You're counting us. There's going to be a endeavor. How could, uh, you know, how could such a thing happen? So, and so the Rechaim says also, you have two other times in, in, in Sefer Shmuel that people were counted. Shaul counted people twice. One time he counted them uh, he counted them with Shebezek's uh, shards of pottery or stones. According to one pshat it means something else, but it means, according to Rashi, uh, the first pshat is that it means um, shards. And the other time it says everybody brought, a, brought a, a lamb and he counted the lamb, so he did it. So he says, um, why didn't he do Machzah Shekel? Why did he do this? This was the Pasuk says he should do Machzah Shekel. So Rechaim says there's a difference. If it's a or Shloy 
if it's needed, if the if the census the count is needed, then you could use anything. You could use uh, shards or you could use uh, lambs. If it's not needed, then you have to use a machzah shekel. It says by Shaul, Shaul the first time that he used the, the shards, he was going to he was facing battle, a war with Nachasha Moini. So he had to count his people. He had to know, you know, what, what kind of forces does he have? How many soldiers does he have? So that was Litzoirach. Litzoirach he could use Bezek. Um, the second time is when he went to fight with Amalek. Again, he's going to a war. He needed to know how many uh, people he had. So that was also Litzoirach. Litzoirach he could use other things. Here, David, he says, was not Litzoirach. Because, uh, you know, I, I, I imagine David uh, had a reason why he wanted to, uh, why he wanted to know how many people he had. But there was not a pressing need, like if you're facing, you're on the eve of battle, and that, that's a real tzorach. Then you could use other things. So, so therefore, you needed machzah shekel. You should have done it with a machzah shekel. So now, what's the difference between the two? What's the difference between and not tzorach? So, if uh, when using other things, let's say bezek or with loyim, you're doing the count indirectly. You're not doing it doing with a shino. It's not counting them directly. You're counting them indirectly. So, so tzorach, you can do that. But when you're doing it shaloy tzorach, with there's no tzorach, then it's not enough to use a shinoi or bezek. Then you need machzah shekel. So what, why, if it's Shlom Tzairach, so how does the Machzah Shekel help? He's saying to counter indirectly is not enough. You have to use the Machzah Shekel. What's the mild Machzah Shekel? So you could say that the Machzah Shekel, since you're giving Hegdish, using the Koyach of Hegdish would be a protection. You have a veil, you know, you're counting, so it's a, so it's the Ein Hora, so that's a creates danger. So if you use, if if you, if as a result you're counting, you're going to give money to Hegdish, so that's a shmira against the against the Ein Hora. But I want to suggest something else, and I want to sh- you know show that this doesn't quite work because the pasuk says Hashelo Yarbe Vadalo Yamet. Everybody has to give exactly a machsa shekel. Now, all the trumas we find that uh, rich people gave more, poor people gave less. Everybody gave what they could afford. Why over here did you have to have machsa shekel? So the Pashta answer to this is that if everybody would give whatever they want, then you would have no census. This guy's giving, you know, 20 shkolem, this guy's giving. The, so, therefore you have, so therefore, you couldn't have uh, variations because you would have no count. They would know the count would be meaningless. But then the question is, okay, so you can't do this. But why couldn't you let that the usher should give a big matbeya and the oni would give a small matbeya? The usher will give a, a silver dollar and the oni will give a penny. But Lamaisa, you could end up with a certain number of coins, so you will have a count. So why couldn't you do that? So if the purpose of of the machsa shekel was to have a shmira, because you're ending up with a, with with money for hagdish, then you would have a shmira. 
So why don't you do this? Why isn't why is there a din that uh, the pasuk says the mitzvah that everybody should give exactly a machsa shekel? Why can't one you know the Asher will give a big shekel and a big coin and the Oni will give a small coin? Why don't you do that? So I want to suggest over here the pshat's like this: when it's shloilat soirach, then it's not enough to do the count indirectly with a shinoi. When you're counting by using other things, and that, that's, that's uh, indirect, and that is not enough to in a place where there is no tzayrach. What do you have to do when there's no, no tzayrach? When you're counting with, with shars, let's say, you really are counting the people. What are you doing? You're counting the people, but instead of counting their noses, you count the lambs that they brought. You, you, you count the, 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 the shards that they brought. But you're counting the people. You're just counting them in a, in a, with, a, with a, a difference. With a shinu, you're counting them. That is not enough when there's no tzairach. When there's a tzairach, you could do that. You're counting the people, but you're counting them a little bit with a shinu. When there's no tzairach, you have to do something else. You have to make a totally different count. And the knowledge that you're going to get of how many people there are is just something that you're going to know, you know, by the way. It's not, you're not counting the people. You do something else. So if everybody has, gives a master shekel, so you're counting, your count is not a census. Your count is, you're figuring out how much money does Hegdish have? Hegdish is doing an internal account. It's got a lot of money and is counting. So we want to know how much, how much did we, how much do we have? Hegdish wants to know how much they have. So they come up with a number. Now Hegdish, the count is not the counting people. We're making a cheshbon for Hegdish. Once you make the cheshbon for Hegdish, then we could figure out how many people there are because everybody gave a machta shekel. So we could figure out. You make a little math and you figure out how many people there are. But if everybody would give a coin, and some people give a big coin, some people give a small coin, the count of those coins is meaningless to Hegdish. What is Hegdish going to, what is the accountant going to write down, the gizber, what's he going to write down the book? We, today we collected the 100,000 coins. What does that mean? It doesn't have any value to Hegdish. What is the 100,000 coins? You know, you have to know how much it is. So if you would do that, then it would just be another way of counting indirectly. You're counting with shards, you're counting with lambs, you're counting with, with tokens, you're counting with coins. It doesn't matter. It's an indirect count. You cannot do an indirect count. So what do you do? Everybody gives a machza shekel. And then Hegdish figures out 100,000 machsa shekel means we made 50,000 shkolem. So Hegdish writes into the cheshbon, we earned today 50,000 shkolem. Oh, 50,000 shkolem. Hegdish made a cheshbon. Now you want all the census. Look up the books of Hegdish. See how much money they made. Divide it in half. And you know how many people you have. 50,000 shkolem means you have 100,000 people. Okay, so that's okay. That means you didn't count the people at all. Not that you count them indirectly, you didn't count them. So with Shleilat Tzairach, use Machsa Shekel, then you're not counting them. Yeah. So, this week also we have um, the Pasha of the Eagle. It's interesting how Chazal made 
that the Sheni of the Kisisa is extremely long because of the Egel, and the Kayan shouldn't have to be... <laughs> that's, the, that's the reason why. Because when the Kayan gets the first Aliyah, the Egel doesn't come to him. The Kayan only comes afterwards. I don't know why it comes by Sheni. Okay. Anyway... So they said like this, Kum So you have to first you have to understand the eagle is just uh, a very mysterious thing. You're just standing here by Har Sinai, and you had the Gilishchina, and you got the Torah, and then Moshe is late. So now you want to go have Avodah You want to have a different gods? It's really, you know, it's a, this is the question that puzzles everyone. But he said like this, Kum so he says that make us Elohim, a different different God, who will go before us, because Moshe took us out of Mitzrayim, we don't know what happened. So Rashi says like this. They didn't ask for one God. They wanted many gods. So, this comes from the Gemara Sanhedrin, to Samar Gimel. The Gemara says this, that they wanted many gods. So why did they want many gods? I mean, they wanted, they, Moshe's not here, they wanted, they wanted gods. So one, two, three, I mean, why did they need, they, had a, a, they wanted Avcheshik for many gods. So the Masha in Sanhedrin explains what, the, what, what they were asking for. And he, he, he brings down the Rambam that we spoke about in Parshas Noyach. The Rambam, beginning of Hilchas of Zorah, that says what the origin was of Avodah Zorah. That uh, everyone believed in the Rabban Shleilam, but they believed in them Tzoyim. That they were, the Rabban Shleilam has, has certain um, uh, intermediaries through which he runs the world, and they felt that in order to worship the Rabbani Shleilam, the cover Rabbani is by worshiping the intermediaries. So they wanted intermediaries. But the Zoras should not worship intermediaries. But they wanted to worship intermediaries. The fact that they felt, the, the, the people at that time felt that would be effective. Now here also, this is what they were asking for. They had, Moshe Rabbeinu was their leader, and he was kind of, the, he was their intermediary with, with the Rabbani Shleilam. But he's not here, so they wanted some kind of uh, of uh, these these gods. He wanted them to be. They wanted them to be intermediaries with the Rabban Shlom. So, so you see over here. Okay, that's what they wanted. So it exp- it explains it a little bit why 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 what they did. They weren't really. Uh, completely rejected the Rabbi Shalom. They felt if we don't have Moshe, we need other intermediaries, and it's not going to be Aaron or or, or Kalev, or it's going to. They wanted some kind of uh, some kind of uh, semi-divine or a god. They wanted gods. So, what do they want? Why do they want these gods? So the pasuk says, "Asherhelonu miyatz Mitzrayim." He brought us out from Eretz Mitzrayim. Why are you mentioning Asher Elonu Meretz Mitzrayim? So Rashi says like this. 
he took us out, Moshe Rabbein took us out of Mitzrayim. They're not referring to Moshe's, Moshe's feet that he was able to, ex- to, to, to extract them from, from the Shibur of Mitzrayim. No. He was our guide. We were going. We had to go. We're going in the desert. And uh, do we go? Do we go on this road or on that road? Do we? we Moshe Rabbeinu was the, the guide. He was the Meir Derech. He showed them which way to go. So now Moshe is gone. Now we need gods who are going to be our guides. That's what Rashi says. The reason why they needed gods was because, they, you, know, they, you know, you're traveling in the desert, you don't know where to go. Moshe Rabbeinu knew where to go. Now if Moshe Rabbeinu is not here, they don't know where to go. So they wanted gods to tell them how to go. So the, so the reason why they wanted many gods was because when you're, go- when you're in the middle of the desert, there are many directions you could go. You could go, you know, there's, there's like numerous, numerous directions you could go. So Moshe Rabbeinu, because of his high level and because he was connected to Rabbeinu Shloim, he had this very, very high, so he knew everything. He knew which way to go. So he told us how to go. But now that we don't have Moshe, so then we have so many options of how to go. So they didn't think that you could have that that you could have one God who's going to know all the ways to go. They didn't think that. So they thought. So we have a, a God, and the God picks this road and he goes down the road and he comes to the end of the road and he sees where it goes. So he'll come back and he'll tell us, you know, this is not a good road to go, or this is a good road to go. So you need to check out all the routes. So in order to check out all the routes, they wanted Elohus Harbe. That's what he's saying. It's connection. They wanted Elohus Harbe because Moshe, Shalonu Meretz Mitzrayim, Moshe, who was our, our you know, tour guide, so he's, he's not here. And nobody knows as much as he does. So they wanted Elohus Harbe. Anyway, I want to conclude... With, with something that was bothering me very much, and it's a general question. We know the Rabban Shalom is a kol yachal. He can do anything. He can, the Rabban Shalom can do anything. But let's say something is impossible. Can he do the impossible? Um, the Rambam says that to say the Rabban Shalom cannot do the impossible is not a deficiency. You're not say, it's not, it's not a pagiyah in his covet. For instance, you have a circle. Can the Rebbe make that a circle should have four right angles? I would say no. Because if he makes four right angles, then it's not a circle, it's a square, or it's a rectangle, but it's not a circle. So the Rebbe should make that a circle should have four right angles. He can't do that. He can't do something which is intrinsically impossible. Can the Rebbe make that a tall man should only be six inches off the ground. I would say no, because if he's six inches off the ground, he's not even a short man. He's like a, a, a tiny man. So, so if, if, you, if the definition is, can he make a tall man should be so short, if he made that tall man, he could, you know, he could shorten him. But to say that a tall man is so short, it's not possible, because that's intrinsically 
you know, not possible. Now, the Kaifrim, you know, always, I don't know if you've heard these questions, but, you know, many of us have heard these questions. They want to say, how could you say, uh, you know, Hashem is Kol Yochel, he can do anything. Can he destroy himself? Can he do that? Can he make a stone that he can't lift? So the answer to these, both of these questions is obviously no. So does that mean that there's a limit to his ability? Of course not. These things are intrinsically impossible. So the Rav cannot do something which is intrinsically impossible. So that's, that's I want to establish this, that Rav cannot do something which is intrinsically impossible. Now, it comes to the Luchas, so it says, Mishnei Evreim Izem Vazayim Psuvim, they were written from both sides. That means the Luchas were, were Benesayim, them because um, they went through and through. Every letter went through and through. It didn't, wasn't just engraved on the outside. It was engraved all the way through. So the Gemara says that the Mem and the Samach were Aymdim Benes because once you all around and then you had the middle, so it was all around in the middle, but there was nowhere for it to hold. Of course, it had to be, if it would, like a gimel standing on the stone, but a mem and a samach were cut out all around. So how did, how did it uh, stay suspended in the air? So it stood suspended in the air. It was a nest, very nice nest, possible nest. The thing is standing in the air. Good. But you could, it's, so but the Gemara says you could read it both ways. Ah, both ways. That means that it says, Anoichi Hashem Elokecha. And if you turn the other way, you can also read Anoichi Hashem Elokecha. So Rashi says, that it means, Rashi in, in Shabbos, Dafkov Dalit says, that this means, this my, the Gemara seems to be like that. The Gemara says, Nevuv and Buban, which is really in reverse. Rashi says, you could read it back, you could read it from the other side, but you would be reading it backwards with backwards letters. Not that you're reading Anoichi Hashem Elokecha. But the other side, you're reading, you know, you could read, you could read it, but it's not, it's not going the same way. Rabbeinu Bechaya says no, <coughs> that from one side is written this way, and from the other side you could read it that way. Both sides are right to left. How is such a thing possible? <coughs> if 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 the first side, the front, let's say, if it was engraved all the way through. That means that there was spaces, and now if you're doing it from the other way, so all the spaces are stepping on each other, and you're having just a, a, a chaos, a, 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 you know, a, 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 you know, a bilbul over there. How could it, it wouldn't be the distinct letters? You have a letter, but from the other side, the letter is engraved on top of this letter. So, how could that? How is it possible to have them? To have that you can read from both sides, you can read it this way, and you can read it that way. How is how is that possible? So this always bothers me. Um, so, you know, I once read a little bit about quantum mechanics, and there's something called super, superposition. So, you know, the Gemara says, the Mishnah says in, in, in Ovis, that in the Besamekdash there were Nisim, was Eindem Tzvufim Umeshachim Uravacha. You were able, when you stood, everybody stood in the base of Migdash, they were very, you know, uh, crowded. But when they bowed down, everybody had a lot of room. How did that happen? 
Did it mean that everything expanded? Did the base of Mikdash like expand? And what happened to all the houses outside the base of Mikdash? Did they also expand? Like, how does this thing happen? And also, the Gemara says in Meila that uh, that Oren was not Menamida. It says that the Oren was in the Kodesh Kedoshim. There were ten Amis on one side and ten Amis on the on the other side. And the whole width of the Kodesh Kedoshim was twenty Amis. So where was the Oren? Gemara says the Oren doesn't go into the Cheshmer. So how does that happen? So you could say the Oren is in a different world, but maybe it's Lemalim. It's, it's it's really in in, in Elyon right here. I don't know, but how's the Oren made in that minion? Pasha's Oren was here in this world. So so what what I think is the pshat that you have, let's say, a point in time. A point in time. Two people could occupy the same point in time. At the same time, right now, this moment, you could have I'm here and you're here. We both occupy the same point of time. I think that you could also occupy the same point in space. That just like you could occupy the same point in time, two people can occupy the same point in space. How does this work? So in quantum mechanics, on the micro world, you do have things like that, where electrons can occupy, two electrons can occupy, it's called superposition, occupy the same. So if there's such a thing is possible, so, so, that's a, so in the macro world, you don't have it, but the nays could be that you have it in the macro world. So therefore, you would have, at the same, you would have in the same space, you have the luchas going one way, and in the same space, you have luchas going the other way, and they don't step on each other. Just like, you could just like, doesn't mean that the, the Besamikdash expanded. The just means that the Oren was able to occupy the same space of the Ritzpa, in other words, the Ritzpa had nothing on it, that was, that's what it was, it was 20, 20 amas wide, and the Oren was able to stand on that and occupy that same space as the Ritzpa and, and with, without any kind of contradiction. That is superposition, and superposition exists in Teva on the micro level. On the macro level, it really doesn't exist. So the Ness was that, that it existed in the macro level, but it's not an impossibility. So that's the same thing with Edmund Suf and Everybody bowed down, and everybody was superimposed on everybody else. In the same space, all the people were able to be superimposed each on the other without interfering with each other. So that's exactly what happened over here. That both sides were superimposed on each other and they didn't interfere with each other. Thank you very much and uh, hopefully we'll see you again next week.